say good morning, good morning, let us begin. We'll begin with the dedications. That's the Merit Hashem we could begin. This sure in time, I apologize. I had a... All right, good. Thank you. Thank you for accommodating the last minute change. So we'll say our cheer this morning is dedicated by our Tamil Torah response. We thank our Tamil Torah response for the month of Nisan. To thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating over Shimon Drushos this month in memory of Paul's parents, Shmuel ben Zechariah and Sarah Bas Avram. To thank Avram and Shandy Kelman for dedicating... The Shiurim this month in memory of Avram's mother, Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua Heschel. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, uh, Bob Imus, in commemoration of the yard site of his father, Jack Imus, Yaakov Ben Ruvain, and Jacob and Julie Blumenfeld for dedicating the Shir today in commemoration of the yard site of Julie's maternal grandmother, Rosalie Gelman, Rifka Rachel Bas Elazar. We hope in the merit of and of, in the discourse of Rafua Shalima for Liba Blima Bas Manya. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah. The families in the Chama, all of those who require Rafu should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And of course, we thank all of our precious Mishpachos for their generosity and dedication. And also with that, let us begin with a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is daf Chof 20. And we are picking up a Meretz Hashem on Yotas Amud Beis 19b. And we left off, actually, let's go ahead and pick up two, four, six lines up from the bottom. So if you remember again, in yesterday's daf, we were focusing on the really interesting question about the order, right? What is the proper order ultimately again in the Sota process? Is it mincha before drinking or is it drinking before mincha machlokes between the Rabbanon and Rabbi Shimon? Suppose if you remember again, we had a statement of Rabbi Akiva, which seemed to be inherently contradictory as well. So the Gemara says, well, Tamech. So we'll say this was the contradiction we ended off with yesterday, to which the Gemara says, We'll say if you remember again, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva himself seemed to indicate, he had this school of thought that said that once the parashat Sota was erased, Ultimately, again, so one could not, she cannot retract anymore. Right? She has to go ahead and drink the water. So remember again, Rabbi Akiva said, no, that's absolutely not necessary. Why? Because at the end of the day, she's a Pudukahiva Omedes. Obviously, again, she's quote-unquote checked. Why is she quote-unquote checked? Because the Maisa, if she's not willing to drink, what is that indicative of? That's clearly indicative of her guilt, right? That at the end of the day, clearly she doesn't want to drink. It means that Allah, again, she's clearly guilty. And therefore, what's the point of making her drink? She's checked. To which the Gemara gives an interesting distinction. Why is she, why is she backtracking? So the Gemara says there's two different possibilities. This is what we really ended off with yesterday. Gemara says one case is talking about where she's retracting based on fear, that's Rishichasa, and one is Mahmas Briusa. Briusa means like she's strident in the tone that she's taking. And I will say, now what, what's this distinction? So if you take a quick look at Rashi, Rashi says something quite interesting over here. Rashi says, When the Akiva says that if she, if she, if she, what's the right word? Backtracks, right? She backtracks and she no longer wants to drink. When is that an indication of guilt? When halacha says she is striking a strident tone. 
She's not afraid. She's not afraid. And she says, listen, I'm not drinking. I will say, what is that indicative of? So Rabbi Akiva's position is like this. When she goes ahead and she just simply says in a cool and collected fashion, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking, that's the indication of guilt. What that shows us is, essentially, she had no intention of drinking, she was just delaying, she clearly knows that she's guilty, and therefore, Allah Ha'la whether we offered up her mincha, didn't offer up her mincha, doesn't make a difference. Lemaisa, again, if she said she's not drinking, and again, she's strident and cool, calm and collected in that statement, that's an admission of guilt. And once that happens, there's absolutely no point in making her drink. He goes on, skip a little bit. Um, good. We'll say, so when we make a distinction as to whether or not the carbon mincha was offered, this is if she's recanting, right? She's retracted, she doesn't want to drink, but it's clear that she's scared. She's scared. Okay, listen to this. If on the other hand, we see that she's scared. You see that she's scared, right? Literally, again, she's shaking. Shabbos said, this is not an indication of guilt. This is an indication of fear, of fear. So obviously, you can understand what I'll say, that again, a woman could be filled with fear and trepidation, even if she knows of her own innocence. So in that kind of case, it depends. If ultimately, again, the mincha is already offered according to this approach, then we would make her drink. In that case, we'd make her drink. If the mincha was not offered, then then we would not make her drink. Now, I'll say, I want to be because a little bit anticlimactic because remember, again, we've already established the Rambam, the Paskins, like the Rabbanon, namely, you drink before mincha. You drink before mincha. So remember, again, this is all going in a different school of thought. But either way, even without that, we could apply this entire discussion to the erasure of the parchment. So the are making a fundamental distinction over here between a woman who refuses to drink striking a strident tone, in which case that's an admission of guilt, versus a woman who goes ahead and refuses to drink because of fear. That often is not an admission of guilt, it's just your understandable nervousness about this process. To which the Gemara Svalchi cover, this is what it means to say, Whenever a woman is striking a strident tone, or like a, like a you know a more cool, calm, and collected tone, and therefore again, whether the mincha was offered, wasn't offered, she that we don't make her drink because that's an admission of guilt. But if she's just scared, if the mincha has not yet been offered, which means that ultimately again the parchment has not been erased. Or for that, or for that matter, even if it was erased, but the Kohanim erased it prematurely, Matza Hadraba. Then she can go ahead and refuse to drink. But ultimately, again, once the Kabbal Mincha has been offered, that the Kohanim acted appropriately in that they erased the parchment, then Lo Hadraba. Then she can no longer go ahead and refuse to drink. I says the Gemara, 
Kashe de Rabbi Akiva ad Rabbi Akiva. They both say the problem over here is that Halacha Lamaisa, we now have an inherent contradiction in Rabbi Akiva. How so? Both say top line on Chaf Amadalev 28. Hasam Amar Mechika Ma'akva, Bahacha Amar Kometz Ma'akev. So I will say, you know, there are two different positions of Rabbi Akiva. In one position, Rabbi Akiva is saying that once the Kometz is offered, she has to drink. And then in this second version of Rabbi Akiva, we're saying it's not about the offering of the Kometz, but rather what is it about? The erasure of the Parsha. So which one is it? To which the Gemara says, Tretanoi, Tretanoi, Akiva. Ultimately, I will say, Halacha two different opinions according to Rabbi Akiva. Fine. Now I will say, again, just to reinforce, so we already know that we saw that Rambam Paskin, again, this we saw this in yesterday, Hilchos Sota, Perek Gimel Halacha Tesvav, V'achar Kach Mashke Osa, V'achar Tishta, Lokeach Kli Shari Shabbat Mincha. So I say, we Paskin like the Rabbanon, that ultimately, again, you drink first, you drink first, and then ultimately, again, offer Mincha afterwards. Now again, therefore for us, for us, the big determinant is going to be whether or not the parchment was erased. Again, and we'll talk about this in greater depth. Before the parchment was erased, she has the ability obviously to back out. After the parchment is erased, ultimately again we'll discuss. Good. I also think Martin's off with an interesting question. Amra, shosa, So listen to this. The Khazra Amr Shosani Mahu. Now let's say, watch this. Let's say the following situation. She says, I'm not drinking. But she says, I'm, drink- I'm not drinking in a strident tone. Normally, again, if she strikes a strident tone, what does that tell us? Guilt. Guilt. Let's say then she says she, back- she backtracks on the backtrack. She backtracks on the backtrack, right? So again, she's in, she's in the process. Then she says, I'm not drinking. I refrain to a conscientious objector. Right? I'm not, I'm not drinking. And then she says, no, I'll drink. So I says, what do we do in a situation like this? Mao. So I don't want to say this. Well, look, she said, she said, I'm not drinking, right? And she struck a strident tone. And I will say, what's the when you strike a strident tone, according to what we just said before, what is that effectively doing? It's an emission of guilt. Well, once a woman says to me, and I will say, let's, let's play this a little bit differently. Let's say a woman was in the basement of the Sota process, and she said, to me, Ani, to me, Ani. And then she said, you know what? I'm sorry, I realized that wrong recollection of the event. I was thinking of a different marriage, right? Actually, in this one, right? I actually didn't do anything wrong. So Rebbe said, would we let her drink in such a situation like that? No way. No way. In other words, once a woman says to Ani, you know, that's it. That's it. We're, 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 we're done here. So the Shaila is, is striking the strident tone effectively the same thing as saying to Ani? And therefore, she can't backtrack. Oh, Dilma, Kevan da Amra Shosani, Gal Yedaita de Machmas Bi Susuhu da Amra. Or do we say no? Since she backtracked on the backtrack, and now she said what? Now she said what? I'll drink. And I will say, listen to this. Maybe, you see, the whole distinction we've been making this entire time, right, is that when she strikes a strident tone, that's an admission of guilt. Versus, versus when a person is fearful, right, that, that manifests itself differently. They both say the truth is fear could manifest itself differently. Some people could look confident even when they're actually fearful. So maybe in reality, even though she looked strident, and even though a strident tone normally means what? Normally means what? Admission of guilt. Maybe this just, you know, both say, you know how, you know, like some people, 
laugh when they get nervous, right? Or like, or like, even like laugh. And you know, you, you see, it's an interesting thing, right? Even some people like when dealing with like heavy stuff, they'll just like have a conversation or something like this. Like if we talk about something tragic, and somebody will laugh, and it's it's not because they're callous or insensitive. It's just how they deal with, it's just whatever, whatever. I'm sure there's a psychology behind it, right? But the nice it's how they deal with a heavy situation. So maybe over here, same idea. Maybe halacha, the nice again, her strident tone is not an admission of guilt. This is just how she deals with difficult situations. To which the Gemara says, teku. So the Gemara says, I'm not sure how to deal with that one. That, that one, Eliana is going to have to take care of. We're not sure. Last piece of I'll say, I'm going to avoid the Shemuel. Interesting case. And we'll say in the waters, you have to place something bitter into the waters even before the parchment is erased in the waters. My taima, or I should say, I should say before she drinks. My taima, tamar mehamorim shemarim kvar. And we'll say this is actually very interesting. That says before the, before the parchment gets erased. The Torah calls, if you look at Rashi, shemarim kvar, kodem mechika, What's very interesting. Up until this Kimara, we always thought the reason they're called the bitter waters is why? Because of the effect that they have on the woman in the event that she's guilty. It turns out, says the Gemara, they're called bitter waters because they're supposed to taste bitter. And therefore, again, the Gemara says you're supposed to put something, Dover Mar. You're supposed to put something in the waters that makes them taste bitter, even before the parchment itself is erased in the water. Incredible. Good. Now we'll say Mishnah. Let's go weiter. Weiter in the process. So we'll say, now we come to a very interesting case. We'll call her Rachel, right? Rachel's married to Ruvain. They go through the whole soldier process. Rachel's in the base of She's They're right about to drink, erase the parchment. And she says, Amy Shosa. I'm not drinking. Now we'll say, before the erasure, before the erasure, whether she says, I'm not drinking, either because A, she strikes a strident tone, or because she's fearful, if she says, I'm not drinking, then what? Then what? Stop. We just shut down the process. So we'll say, what do you do? What do you do? So we'll say, now, the Mishra's talking about a case where the parchment was already written, but it wasn't erased. It was already written, but it wasn't erased. So what do you do in a situation like this? Megillasa Nignezes. So what's this fascinating? We put her Megillah essentially in Shemus. In Shemus, right? So there was a Shemus. We've actually learned this before, Mr. Asuma. There was a Shemus chamber, actually right off Sharmikanar, which we'll discuss, right? There was a Shemus chamber, and we would put this Parsha Sota in the Shemus chamber. Look at Rashi. Megillasa Nignezes. In one of the corners of the base Hamikdash, the Chol Kisya Kodesh Sheinon Ruuyin Likros Bahen Nignazin Shelo Yisbazu. So we'll say a pretty incredible Gemara. So pretty incredible Rashi, right? And Allah Chalamai said there was a chamber in the base Hamikdash where they kept Shemus. And I will say, understand. Remember, you can't use this parchment for someone else, right? Why can't you use the parchment? Why not? Because remember again, Lishma, Lishma. So you can't use it for someone else. So they would go in and they would put it away. Okay, fine. So, uminchasa misparezes misparezes al hadeshen. Now, interestingly enough, her mincha. This is presupposing that her karma mincha. Now, again, has not been offered 
but is ready to go. So what do you do with the karma mincha? It's scattered on the ashes, right? On the, ha- on the ash heap. On the ash heap, on the deshen. You cannot use her parsha, her parchment, to go ahead and use for another sota. Well, as we saw before, the of law, right? Or law vishma. Okay, well, so that's part one. So, right, case one is where she says, Aini Shosa, prior to the erasure of the Megillah. So, essentially, so one, we take her parchment, put it in Shemus. Number two, her mincha is scattered on the ash heap. Fine. Mincha ka Megillah, va'amra tmeani. All right, so we'll say, so now, case two, Megillah was erased, right? Or the white parchment was erased in the water. Now, again, remember, we were talking about before, and we were saying, she says, Eidi Shosa, I'm not drinking. So they were making an interesting distinction. Is she saying, I'm not drinking out of fear, striking a strident tone? We'll say this case is different. Here, the parchment was erased. Va'amra Tumeyani. She admits her guilt. Now, obviously, after she admits her guilt, there's no need to make her drink the water. Right? In other words, that, that, so now it happens to be over here, the water, the parchment was already erased, but she went ahead and she, she went ahead and she admitted her guilt. Ultimately, again, we pour out the water. And we, once again, we scatter her mincha on the ash heap. Okay, so we'll say that's case two. Right, case two, parchment erased. She says, once again, shut down the process. Shut down the process. Nimcha Karmagila, case three. Same case, parchment was erased. The Amra, Aini Shosa. Now we'll say, now she says, case number three is parchment was erased. And what does she say? I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. So we'll say, so now in this case, Ma'arin Osa, Umashkin Osa Balkarcha. So we'll say, in this case, we force her. Now remember again, we saw this in yesterday's Mishnah. How do we force her? By the way, the, uh, the, I got a I got a I got a Musser text from the dental lobby yesterday after the uh, after the thing. It's not a torture device, Doctor Milner. What is it called? Bite block. What? Bite block. Bite. Bite block. Bite block. Right. And I said, dentists clearly need a little bit more imagination. By the way, bite block is actually bite block. Yeah, is actually not that much better than torture device. But okay, but that that's fine. In, in any event, in any event. Find bite block, huh? much better, much better, right? We go, we put in the bite block, good. So let's say, so ma'arin osa, umashkin osa balkarcha. And ultimately, again, we force her to drink. We force her to drink. So let's say, again, we'll, we'll define the parameters of that as well. So let's say, so now, just want to point out three different cases over here, right? So case number one is, she says, she says, I'm not drinking before the parchment is erased. Okay, so look. If she says no to the process, that shuts the process down. That's it, right? That's case one. Case two, case two, parchment was erased. She says, Tumea Ani, right? I, I, I commit adultery, okay? Also, shuts everything down. We're not going to make her drink because she's admitted her guilt. Case three, parchment has been erased. She says, I'm, I'm not drinking, right? Rose says, things, things should be seen saying, Tumea Ani, and I'm not drinking. So in this case, I'm not drinking, well, again, the parchment has been erased. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I will say, we'll, we'll discuss the parameters of that as well, as well as whether or not we adopt this previous distinction of, is she saying I'm not drinking in a strident tone, in a fearful tone? We'll talk about that as well. Good. And I will say, now the Mishnah transitions to talk about the effects of the water. So we'll say, once she ingests the water, if indeed she's guilty, 
right? She doesn't even finish drinking the water before the water has the effect on her. Literally, again, her face, right? She begins to become pale. They have boltos, her eyes begin to bulge. And literally, again, her veins begin to protrude. They they would begin to say, they being the Kohanim, quick, remove her, remove her, so that she does not, she does not make the Azara impure. Rashi says over here, just to orient, where is everything happening for the Sota? So remember, again, it's happening by Sharnikanar. Remember again, she's not actually entering into the to the uh, to the actual courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash itself. She's in the Ezra's Nashim, right? The general courtyard. She's on the steps by Sharnikanar. So Rashi says, "Over here, Shaltetami Azara Sharnikanar O Ezra's Nashim Shetaysi Derech Sham." So both say. So remember, they, and they say because it looks like she's about to die. They say, "Quick, take her out." Before she goes ahead and 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 makes and, and essentially becomes a source of tumah inside of the courtyard of the base Hamikdash, in Yishlaschos was very interesting. If she has some type of merit, we'll discuss that. If she has some type of merit, Haisatolala. Sometimes we will say a merit, a personal merit that she has could delay the effects of the water. So Yishlaschos tola shana achas. They both say different merits have different effects. You could have a merit that delays the effect of the water for a year, for two years, for three years. Mikan Omer Ben Azai, they both say from here Ben Azai taught, Chayiv Adam Lelamid Esbito Torah. A man is obligated to teach his daughter Torah. They both say, now this is fascinating. Why is a man obligated to teach his daughter Torah? Why? Shem Tishta. What's fascinating? Because if it turns out that she is ever a sota, that she should know that a schus, a merit, a personal merit, could delay the effects of the water. And I both say, what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, listen to this. It seems to be, although we'll further define what Rabbi Nazai is saying is like this, that chas if a woman is a sota, let's say Rabbi says she drinks the water and it has no effect on her, has no effect on her, but she knows she committed adultery. So she can erroneously emerge with the idea that what? That what? The waters don't work. Meanwhile, it could very well be that the waters will work, but they're having a delayed effect on her. Why are they having a delayed effect on her? Why? Because of some schus that she possesses. Therefore, Rabbi says, a man should really teach his daughter Torah, so that she understands how things work. So chas v'shalom, in the event that she becomes a sota, chas v'shalom in her lifetime, she should, it shouldn't cast dispersions on the sota waters, but she should understand that the reason it's not having an immediate effect must be because of some type of schos that she has. Shabbos said, therefore, Ben Azai advocates for a man teaching his daughter Torah so that it should never come to cast dispersions on the sota waters should she become a sota chas v'shalom and it doesn't immediately work, she should realize it's not because the water is not working, but rather because she has some type of schos. Which on a deeper level also means that Azai is saying, teach your daughter Torah, even though there may be no biblical obligation to teach a girl Torah, because the Gemara says, you have to teach your sons, that seems to be the, the biblical obligation, but a man should teach his daughter Torah so that she should know how things in Yiddishkeit work. She should know how things work. He's giving a dramatic example over here about Sota, but she should know how things work. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Kalam Torah, Kilolom the Tiflos. 
Well, it's a pretty strong statement that we have to see what's happening over here. Lemaisa, again, literally translated, a man who teaches his daughter Torah is like he teaches her Tiflos. Now, I will say Tiflos, Tiflos, could sometimes even have a connotation of immorality. So, obviously, but let's, again, we're gonna, we'll see in the Gemara what is going on over here. Like, what could be bad about teaching one's daughter Torah? But Rabbi Eliezer clearly seems to, have, seems to have an aversion to this. He says it actually could have a negative effect. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, so we'll say again, we'll see what that machlokis is. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Rabbi Yeshua says, a woman would rather have, we'll say literally it means a kav and intimacy than nine kavim and separation. Meaning that a woman would rather have less material wealth, but a greater level of physical connection with her husband than more material wealth and physical separation from her husband. In other words, we will say what Rabbi Yashur seems to be saying over here. Again, we'll see all this in the Gemara that, that, that for a woman, for a woman, so having a physical connection, love, dafka, actual, like, like bia, but a sense of physical intimacy, a physical closeness with her husband is more important than material wealth in the home. Okay, we'll, we'll get a lot we'll further details on that. So the Gemara says as follows. Well, Omer, furthermore, used to say, Chassid Shota, Rasha Arum, Isha Prusha, Umakas Prushim, Hare Elam Avali Olam. So as furthermore, Rebbe used to say, the following things literally destroy the world. Chassid Shota, let's say Chassid Shota is a, is, a, is a pious fool. A pious fool. This means a person who goes about avenues or, or, or going down avenues of piety that are just foolish. They're, they're not actual piety, they're foolishness. But because he's a fool, he thinks ultimately again that it's piety. Rasha Arum means a cunning Russia, a cunning Russia. Isha Prusha, an ascetic woman. Makas Prushin, lashes that ascetic people give themselves. Again, I will say, we'll define each of these categories. These are all things that destroy the world. As well say, obviously, a lot to unpack in this Mishnah. A lot to unpack in this Mishnah. Let's begin to analyze. Let's listen to this. It's incredible Gemara. So this is Rabbi Huda said, Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel, who said in the name of Rabbi Meir. When I was learning Torah by Rabbi Akiva, Hayisi matel kan kansum amali davar. I used to go out and put kan kansum. I both say, we learned can consume on Shabbos' daf. Can consume is a type of a type of, of dye additive that makes the dye permanent. Makes the dye permanent. So Rabbi, Rabbi Mary was saying, I was a scribe, I was a sofer, and I used to add can consume into the into the ink, and Rabbi Akiva never said anything to me. Okay, Shabbos is Rabbi Ishmael. Then when I came to Rabbi Ishmael, Amrli Bni he said to me, Rabbi Shmuel said to me, my son, what's your profession? I said to him, I'm a scribe. My son, know that you're doing the Lord's work. You are doing the Lord's work. Why? Because if you add in one letter, or you go ahead and take away one letter, or change one letter, Literally, you could destroy the word. There's a world. In other words, I will say, the way it works, the way it works with Torah is that, is that, is that, is that one letter could change 
the entire meaning of a Pasuk. I will say Rashi gives examples. For example, the Pasuk says, Hashem Elohim Emes. Right? Hashem is the truthful God. True God. I will say, Chas Hashem, you leave off the Aleph of Emes. What do you have? Hashem Elohim Meis. Chas Hashem, right? Or Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elohim Hashem Echad. Right? Change the Aleph from a Dalit. And what do you have? Hashem, right? Hashem Elohim Acher. So, in other words, so Rabbi Shal was saying to Rabbi Meir, be careful. Because you write literally again one one change, either one omission, one addition, one change. This Amartilo. I said to him, Rebbe, don't worry. I have this thing that I add into the die, the can consume shmo, and it's called can consume, and that makes sure ultimately again no erasures, no changes, nothing. Amarli, the chimatilin can consume sochadio. Are you allowed to add can consume into ink? HaTorah Amra Umacha. The Torah says, I will say, by Parsha Sota, has to be erased. Ksav Sheyachol Limchos. Ultimately, again, means you have to use writing that can be erased. I will say, let me give you coming attractions over here because Rashi already points it out. We are going to see something amazing. Rabbi Shmuel is of the opinion, I will say, that watch this. If you have a Sota, if you have a Sota, you could take out a Sefer Torah, Take out Parsha Sota from the Sefer Torah and use that to erase. Wild. Again, we'll talk about the Raman Beis. So Rabbi Shmuel says, therefore, the Torah itself has to be written in a way that can be erased. They're both saying, it's not clear does Rabbi Shmuel hold, therefore, just Parsha Sota in the Torah has to be written that way? Or maybe what? Maybe the entire Torah has to be written that way. So that, that will, but in any event, Rabbi Shmuel clearly has an objection to the use of can consume, to the use of can consume, to which the Gemara says, my kamalei, my kamahadei. So we'll say, what's, what exactly is this exchange over here? So we'll say, this is what he means to say. Rabbi was saying like this, Rabbi, don't worry. When it comes to ultimately, again, what, what letters should be added, what letters should not be added, I know, I, I got this. I got this. So it's the first wide line. Elafi lemechash lezvuv. But maybe you'd be concerned that maybe a fly is going to come and sit. Remember again, a Dalid has a little shmichik that comes up. That's the technical term, right? The shmichik that comes up on the top left, right? On the top left. And also remember again, on the top right, it extends past the leg. Maybe you'd be afraid that a fly is going to come along, sit on the shmichik of the Dalid and make it into a resh. Make it into a resh. To which the Gemara says to that, Rabbi Eliezer says, don't worry about it. See, it's funny, I read that, Dover Acher. Really, Dover Echad, right? So, Dover Echad, I've got this thing. It's called Can Consume. Put it in, and the moment you write what effectively happens, the ink dries. The ink dries. So the Gemara says, Ini, is that so? Vaham, Rabbi says, that's true that Rabbi Meir, well, used to put in can consume. Vatanya, I'm Rabbi Meir. Kishayisi lama Torah eats Rabbi Shmuel. When I used to learn Torah by Rabbi Shmuel, Hayisi matal can consume so chadio. I used to put can consume into the, into the ink. For the Amrali Dover. And Rabbi Shmuel never said anything to me. Ukishabasi eats Rabbi Akiva, Asralai. Then it came to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said, I can't do it. So we'll say, so now, this is totally the opposite story. So, Kasha Shimush Ashimush, Kasha Asra Asra. So we'll say, now the stories are contradictory. In story number one, Rabbi Meir started by Rabbi Akiva, 
put Khan Kansum in the deal, and Rabbi Akiva never said anything. He comes to Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, what are you doing? In story number two, he starts at Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, he put Khan Kansum to the deal, Rabbi Shmuel never said anything. He came to Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva says something. So what's going on over here? So I will say, from the perspective of who he's learning by, that's not a contradiction. Why will say is incredible. In the beginning, he, in fact, used to learn about Rabbi Akiva. Okay, I will say, so why did he leave Rabbi Akiva? So listen to this. Originally, Rabbi Meir learned by Rabbi Akiva. And then he left. Why? Rabbi say because he could not get concrete hadracha. Concrete guys, Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva was such an outstanding Talmud Chacham that Rabbi Akiva could argue either side of an argument, right, conclusively. So Rabbi say as a student, as a student, Rabbi say, remember again, when you're learning, person studying learning, what do you need? What do you need? You need to accumulate a body of information, facts, Right? Facts. Kasher treif. Tame tahar. Mutter aser. So Rabbi Meir is learning by Rabbi Meir is learning Rabbi Akiva and he can't get clear. Like, what does Rabbi Akiva hold? It was like, by the way, it's such an incredible... So, forget, forget. Right? He couldn't get clear what Rabbi Akiva held because Rabbi Akiva was able to see all different sides and, argue, and able to argue all different sides so conclusively. So he's like, I, 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 don't have, I don't have a solid body of knowledge with which to operate with. So Rabbi say, what does he do? He goes to Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi, so Rabbi Shmuel was much more concrete in his thinking. So he, he amassed a body of concrete touch Rabbi Shmuel. And then what, Rabbi say? And then what? Okay, Rabbi Akiva. Then he goes back to Rabbi Akiva. Right? He goes back to Rabbi Akiva to learn Svara, to see different sides of the opinion. Rabbi say, I just point out something amazing. It's an incredible usot also, also in parenting. Right? I was like, in, in parenting and raising our children, one of the most important things we have to do is to convey a concrete, precise hashkafas hachayim. I was like, sometimes one of the, right? As adults, as adults, often I was like, how do we lead our lives? If we're honest, we are like a series of inherent contradictions, right? I believe one thing, sometimes I act a different way, that's kind of what part of being a life is. But yet, in, in, in the chinuch I convey to my children, I have to really try to be consistent, right? This is, what, this is what we believe, this is what we do, this is how we live. And I have to model a life of consistency. Because Lamaisa, again, if my children get competing and sometimes even contradictory messages from me, it's so hard for them to know. So what, what, what do we do? Is this okay? Is this, is this not okay, right? We do this at home, we do this on vacation, right? We do this the way I, you know, what, 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 what do we do? What, what, what is our hashkafa? What, what is our approach? What is our mahalik? Now, I will say, as our kids get older, do, we, do they realize that ultimately, again, life is complex and sometimes a person doesn't necessarily operate with one set of ideas? Of, yeah, yeah, but that's a lesson that we all learn as we grow up. But when our children are young, especially in their formative years, it is so important to get a clear and consistent hashkafa from one's parents.
That's Rabbi Akiva versus Rabbi Yishmael. You got to start out life. You got to start out life like a Rabbi Yishmael. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's how we practice. Here's how we live. Here's what we believe. Here's the clear, consistent hashkafa sachayim. This is what we are. This is who we are. Do they realize again, like Rabbi Yishmael, like later on in life, that there may be there are different approaches, different, sure, absolutely, but not in youth. Not in youth. Youth requires clear, consistent, ongoing messaging. Good. In any event, Simon goes weiter. So the most Ella Asar Asar Kasha. So now I understand the will say it's not a contradiction who who Rabbi Meir learned by. He started at Rabbi Akiva, couldn't get clear, consistent messaging, went to Rabbi Ishmael, got a body of knowledge, and then went back to Rabbi Akiva. Fine, Rabbi say, but we have another question. What's the other question? Asra. Right? In the first version, Rabbi Akiva was okay with Khan Kansum. Rabbi Shmuel was not. Second version, Rabbi Shmuel was okay with Rabbi Akiva was not. So to which the Gemara says, Ela Asra Asra Kashya, Kashya. Yeah, that's a contradiction. So Rabbi Shmuel Gemara just says, it's a contradiction, I don't know what to do with it. So Tanya, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda Omer, Omer Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir used to say, Lakol Matilin Khan Kansum L'Sochtio, in general, you could always add in can consume into ink. Chutz, I will say, I'm a base. Chutz, me parshas sota bilvad. I will say, with the exception of parshas sota. Parshas sota. Now, I will say, Rashi points out over here, afilu b'sefer Torah. Right? So you could write an entire Torah with can consume, but you can't use can consume in the section of sota. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yaakov, or Mishmo, chutz, me parshas sota shal mikdash. Rabbi Yaakov says, no, no, no. You could use Khan Kansum for everything in a Sefer Torah. The only thing you can't use Khan Kansum for is what? Is what? Is Parsha Sota that they write in the base Hamikdash. So what's the Machlok? This is incredible. Watch this. So you know what the Machlokas is? The Machlokas is, watch this. Can you take out Parsha Sota from a Sefer Torah, from a Sefer Torah, and use that for the sota in the base Hamikdash. I will say, so therefore again, so therefore Rabbi Yaakov says no. Rabbi Yaakov says no. Therefore, because you can't use Parsha Sota in a Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah can be written with Khan Kansum. On the other hand, Rabbi Meir said, yes, you can. And therefore Rabbi Meir says that Allah even Parsha Sota in a Sefer Torah cannot be written with Khan Kansum. Bahani Tanai Kani Tanai. So we'll say, at least I like the following Tanai. We'll say, Chaf Amud Beis, two, four, five lines down. The Sanya. Ein Migilas Ekshir Lahash Kos Basot Acheres. So we'll say, I want to suggest that the Machlokis Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yaakov is the same Machlokis Tanaim over here. Watch this. Why? What are we saying? Ultimately, again, when you write the Parsha, Parsha Sota for a particular Sota, you cannot use that for another Sota. Right? So Rabbi Achab, Rabbi Achi Bar Yoshi Omer Migilas Ekshir Lahash Kos Basot Acheres. Rabbi Achab Yoshi says, Yes, you can. Wow. Yes, you can. Shabbos so says, Gemara wants to suggest as follows. Maybe the machlokis, these machlokisim are aligned. Namely, the opinion that says that you could even use Parsha Sota from a Sefer Torah would also agree that what? The Parsha you wrote for one Sota can be used for what? Another Sota. And the opinion that says that you cannot use the Parsha from a Sefer Torah would say that you cannot use a Parsha written for one Sota for another Sota to which the Gemara says, no, I'm not Papa, Dilma Lohi. They don't necessarily align. How so? I'd come, I'll 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 come,
that once a partial sota was written for one sota, it can't be used for someone else. That makes sense. Because once something is written for Rachel, it can't be used for Leah. Aval Torah, the stomach siva, hachanavi de bechakinon. But Lamaisa again, Lamaisa, Lamaisa, maybe a partial of sota and Sefer Torah, which is not written for anyone. They're both saying now, essentially, if it's not written for anyone, then who is it written for? Yeah. Everyone. Maybe can be used. Can be used. So to which the Gemara says, Furthermore, Rabbi said that when it's written ultimately again in the Beis Hamikdash, it's written in general ultimately again for the sake of Sota. So maybe even if it's not used for one Sota, it could be used for another Sota. Uh, however, but by Torah, which is written ultimately for learning and not for Sota, perhaps it should not be used for Sota at all. How does Rahi Baroshia allow you to use Parsha Sota written for one Sota for another Sota? After all, I will say, what about the parallel case by Gittin? Right? Ruvain wants to divorce his wife, Rachel, and they're both from Baltimore, and then they reconcile. They reconcile, and then what happens? <coughs> great news. I mean, not great news, but there's another Ruvain and Rachel from Baltimore who do want to get divorced. Let's just go ahead and use the same get. Right? Va'amar. I will say, so Ruvain number two. Says so Ruvain number one, it's a shame to let a good get go to waste. Right after all, again, I'm Ruvain. My wife's Rachel. We're both from Baltimore. So let me use the get. I will say, what's Talacha? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Puzzle. Puzzle, puzzle, garishbo. So I will say, again, so I would say the same idea. How can you use a parsha sota written for Rachel and then use it for Leah? Amri Hassan, the of the Amrachmana, but even Ksiva It's different. I will say, why is it different there? Because by get, the Torah used Lashon of a Kasav law. It has to be, Mamish be written for her. And over here, it's not written for her. Hachanami va'asa law. It will say, ultimately, again, by Sota, it says, <coughs> you have to make it for her. Which will say, also sounds like Parsha Sota has to be written for the particular woman. To which the Lord says, no, no, no. Mayasia. It will say, what does it mean? It says, va'asa law. What does that mean? Mechiko. I will say, if you remember again, we saw this Machlokis earlier, Rebbe will say that the Lishma component of Sota means it has to be erased for this particular woman. So apparently Rebbe holds, when it comes to writing, you can even use Parsha Sota written for one woman and use it for another woman. What's the part of the process that has to be Lishma? Mechika. The erasure has to be Lishma. I will say, just I'll point out, how do we paskin? We paskin that Parsha Sota has to be written for a particular woman. That's how we paskin. We need Ksiva Lishma and Mechika Lishma, which by extension means that you cannot use a section. You cannot take out Parsha Sota from the Sefer Torah and use that for the actual Sota process. Because again, Parsha Sota in the Sefer Torah was not written the Shema for this particular woman. I will say incredible. Let's go weiter. So I'll say, so remember again, the Mishnah said that the Sota waters would begin to have an effect on her almost instantaneously. Almost instantaneously. So the Mishnah says, money, Rabbi Shimon, whose opinion is reflected in the Mishnah? It's Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon, remember again, 
Rosa is Rabbi Shimon from the previous Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon said, Mincha before drinking. Mincha before drinking. So the Kamadalo Karva Minchasa Labatkila Maya. As long as the Mincha was not offered, the waters would not work. Waters were not checkered. The Chsev, Minchas Zikaron Maskeres Avon. I have Shabbos say, so therefore again, the first part of the Mishnah seems to reflect the view of Rabbi Shimon. Ema Seifa, look at the end of the Mishnah. I'll say if she had some type of personal merit, the personal merit could delay the impact of the water. Asan Rabbanon. So I'll say this reflects the view of the Rabbanon. Di Rabbi Shimon Ha'amar Ein Zuchos Tola B'mayim Hamarim. It was because it was Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon holds the Allah Chalamaisa Azchos. Also Rabbi Shimon rejects the idea that a personal merit could delay the impact of the water. Amr of so therefore, we have a problem. The first part of the Mishnah sounds like it's the view of Rabbi Shimon. The second part of the second part of the Mishnah reflects the view of the Rabbanon. To which the Gemara says, "Amar Chista Hamari Rabbi Akiva." Who's the pain? Does the Mishnah refer to Rabbi Akiva? The Amar Makriv Esmin Chasa the Achrakach Mashke. So we say Rabbi Akiva. On one hand, is of the opinion he agrees with Rabbi Shimon, namely Mincha before drinking. But I will say, in the, in the topic of he holds like the Rabbanon. Incredible. So I will say, fine. So the uh, technical issue. So remember again, as the water begins to have its instantaneous effect, they cry out. The Pashas are crying out. Take her out of the base of Mikdash. Take her out of the base of Mikdash in order that she does not die inside of the Azara and create Tumah. To which the Gemara says, my time, but what's the reason? The Dilma Mesa, the Dilma Mesa, we're concerned she's going to die in the Mikdash. The Memra, the Mace, Asra Machan Alavia. And I will say, this is actually a fascinating discussion. Is this to say that a corpse can't come into Machan Alavia? And I will say, this is just a moment. When Klavi Saw traveled in, in the desert, there are three camps. Right? Tashi points this out. Three camps. What are the three camps? In the middle, you have the Aron. That's called Machane Shechina. Around Machane Shechina, you have, again, what's called Machane Levia, the Levium. And then around that, the rest of the Shvatim traveled. That's called Machane Yisrael. So I will say, to a certain degree, so Yushalayim was set up the same way. The Beis Hamikdash proper, when we say Beis Hamikdash proper, we'll say, that's when you go through Sharnikanar. Right? When you're in the interior courtyard, right? Where the Mizdeach was and the actual Beis Hamikdash was. That's called Machane Shechina. Right? Now, what we call the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, either again, the women's courtyard, Ezra Snoshim or Ezra Sisral, which is where you entered in, right? And you had the four chambers there. That's called Machana Levia. Machana Levia. And in fact, the rest of the Harabais is also called Machana Levia. Outside of the Harabais, that's called Machana Yisrael. Now, we'll say, in general, in general, in general, the Gemara says that a mace is allowed to be in Machana Levia. I will say, where do we know this from? Vatanya, Tomei Meis Mutuli Karnas in Machana Levia. Velo Tomei Meis Bilvat, Ela Afilu Meis Atzmo. Even a Meis himself is permitted to be a Machana Levia. Where do we know this from? Shenemar Vayikach Moshe's Asmos Yosef Imo, Imo Vemechisaso. I will say, we know this, we know this because the remains of Yosef traveled with the Aron, traveled with the Ark. Now the truth is, we'll see exactly with the Ark, not the Ark. The point over here is that Moshe Rabbeinu took the remains of Yosef within. I will say, we're going we're gonna to pick up with this tomorrow. I just want to end off with something amazing, I say, which is just the tie into the parasha. I'll just point out, right, this is parasha, the parasha is Tazri and Mitzorah. Speak about the Mitzorah, right? So I'll take something amazing. 
Where is the Mitzorah, right? Where is the Mitzorah banished to? Right, where is the Mitzorah banished to? Badad Yetzimi, right? Rashi says, Michutz L'Shalosh Machanos. The Mitzorah has to leave all three camps. So isn't this fascinating? A corpse is allowed to be in Machana Levia, right? The Mitzorah has to leave all three camps. You see something absolutely amazing. Remember, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but the Maisa, why does a person get Saras? One of the reasons, primary reason, Lashon Hara. You see that someone who speaks Lashon Hara is even worse than a corpse, right? They're more tame, they're more defiled than a corpse. A corpse which is Aviyah, Vos, could remain in Machana Levia, the Mitzvah. We'll say, all right, we'll, have to, we'll stop over here for today. We'll have to pick up with this Sugi, incredible, incredible Gemara, and Agarata. Back to some Sota Agarata tomorrow. We'll say, Shkoyach.